I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Well, happy Easter. Christ is risen, and because of His grace, we can stand in freedom. Join us here at Valley Point Church as we celebrate what Christ has done for us. Point Church and Happy Easter. My name is Eric and I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point Church and we're really honored that you're here today. Thank you for coming to celebrate and to smile and just be filled with hope. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to somebody next to you, smile at them and then say Happy Easter. Go for it. I thought it would be a great idea today just to share with you the top five ways that you can get the most out of your Easter celebration. So this is kind of a big day, and we want it to be a wonderful day for you. So I kind of found five different ways that you can get the most out of your Easter celebration. So are you ready for this? Oh, come on. You ready for this? All right. Here's number five. Be sure to sit on the outside of the aisles at church and try your best not to get trapped in the middle of the row, bookended by slow, chatty people. Yeah, you don't want that. So everybody on the ends, you made a good choice. Good job. Here's number four. Please, don't dress your kids in bunny outfits or your grandkids. Just avoid the urge. Here's number three. Avoid punching the guy who took your spot in the parking lot. It is Easter, so don't do that. And somebody took my spot this morning, and I just left them a really nasty note. So that's good. You can do that. Number two, don't expect that fake green plastic grass to leave your house for at least the next six months. Just lower your expectations. And here's the number one way that you can get the most out of your Easter celebration Don't try to make zoological sense of why a rabbit is delivering eggs. I mean, did he steal the eggs? Is it an egg-laying rabbit? What's going on with the rabbit? Really, though, Easter is so much more than little bunnies and colored eggs and palm branch wars. It really is so much more than that. And so today, I want to take a few moments... And just think about what Easter really is, pure and simple. So here's a question for you. How would you finish this sentence? Easter is, what would you put in that blank? What would you say? How would you finish that particular sentence? Easter is what? I believe that Easter is the story about Jesus who is big enough to accept, enjoy, and share. And that's actually our big idea for today. Jesus is big enough to accept, enjoy, 
and share. And Easter is ultimately the story of how Jesus came and he died for us. So let that just slip into your mind for a moment. Jesus died for us. Now personalize that and say, Jesus died for me. Who else do you know that has died just for you? And here's where it gets really fun because Jesus didn't stay in the ground. Death could not defeat him. Death could not keep him down. He rose again because he's the one. He's the one who died for us. He's the one who paid the price for all of our sins. He's the one who went through excruciating pain for you and for me. He's the one who offers to all of us a forever friendship. And he's the one who said that I will never leave you. This is the story of Easter. It's the story of how Jesus came and he died and he rose again. It's the ultimate hope story. It's the ultimate life story. So let me ask you this. Does the hope we speak of at Easter time, about how Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again, does that hope currently define the reality of your life? Would you say that you have hope in your life, not based on your economic standing or recent successes or a run of good luck, but would you say that you have hope in your life based on God and the friendship that you have with him, that kind of hope? Let me ask you this. Do you perhaps feel a bit empty, isolated, discouraged, maybe even a bit irritated, and you're here saying, you know what, I could benefit from some good news. I mean, I really could benefit from some good news here because I'm hanging on by a thread. I'm basically underwater. About a month ago, I was involved in a car accident on Route 322. I should probably have everybody who's ever been involved in a car wreck on 322 raise your hands, but we won't do that. To say I was involved in a wreck is probably an understatement. I was the wreck. I caused the whole thing. I mean, it was my fault. And it ruined a really good day for me. I mean, I was having one of those days that you could just write down and smile at because it was a really good day for me up until that point. I met with a new friend over lunch and I was really encouraged by that and excited about what could potentially happen with that friendship. And I was really excited because I met with somebody else after that who was really encouraging to me and very inspiring. And I was smiling, I was happy, I was singing, I was doing everything but apparently paying attention to the individual in front of me. So I made my way back home on Route 322. And I don't know where the car came from. I mean, it just kind of came out of nowhere because I looked up And it was there, and I was not able to stop in time, and so I just hit the back end of that car. And my car was destroyed, and it wouldn't start, and it wasn't a a high-impact thing, so nobody was injured, but now I'm stuck on the side of the road on 322 at 4 p.m. So you know what that looks like, right? 
You know how you drive by these scenes once in a while and you look at the individual on the side of the road and you're like, I'm really glad I'm not that guy. Yeah, I was that guy on the side of the road and people are shaking their hands at me and just really, really frustrated. And I've got the Valley Point Church sticker on the back of the window. I'm like, whose idea was this? This is not a good day for me. Started out wonderful, but I ended up on the side of the road. And have you ever had one of those kinds of days where you find yourself on the side of the road and you're wondering what just happened? Think about this for a moment. The story of Easter is a story of hope for all those on the side of the road on 322. It's for all those who have crashed. It's for all those who have ruined things. It's for all those who are stuck. It's for all those who can't get things started again. It's for all those who have caused a problem or are the problem. This is the hope that Easter gives. Easter is also the story of hope for all those who are traveling down 322 and they're doing just fine. They're moving to their next thing, but perhaps they're moving without a lot of intention and purpose. See, Easter is the story that breathes hope for all of us who are traveling down this road, this journey called life because Jesus really is big enough to accept, enjoy, and share. And it just begs for a response. I mean, the Easter story begs for us to throw ourselves into the narrative and ask some hard questions. Perhaps we see this most clearly when Jesus is standing before a judge named Pilate. And he's about to be condemned to die. It's Jesus in court. Jesus on trial and things don't look so good for him. And this is exactly what we find in Matthew chapter 27. So here's what's happening. Jesus is standing before this judge named Pilate. And Pilate was a man of wealth and influence and privilege. And there's no doubt that Pilate had been in this chair before, dealing with other kinds of high-profile cases. And you have to wonder, how many stories had Pilate heard in his lifetime as a judge how many desperate pleas for help how many acquittals how many times had Pilate been just disgusted by how evil people could really be and how many times had his heart been broken by honest people reaching out for help and for justice Certainly, Pilate had seen much in his career, but he never saw anything like Jesus who was standing before him. The scripture tells us that Pilate couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus at all, but a crowd was beginning to gather outside of his courtroom, driven by the religious leaders of that day who absolutely hated Jesus. And they were pushing for Pilate to release Jesus to them so that they could kill him. And so Pilate begins to respond in verse 22 of Matthew 27. And this is what he says. Pilate responded to the group. Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And they shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? 
But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. And Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. And so he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And with the washing of his hands, Pilate oversaw the most lopsided and the most illegal and unfair trial in jurisprudence. I mean, even the historical record speaks of this. I mean, there were so many laws that they broke themselves. Because back in the day, if a man was arrested for a capital crime, he could never be arrested at night. I mean, they wanted that to happen during the day so that everybody could see that and everybody could speak to that and know what had happened. And yet Jesus was arrested somewhere between 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning under cover of darkness. No arrest for a capital crime could be made based upon the information given by a follower of the accused. And they did that because they assumed if you were following this individual who is accused, then you're probably guilty of the same stuff. But yet this whole plot, this whole thing revolved around Judas, a follower of Jesus. No Jewish trial could ever be held at night. Again, they wanted that stuff to happen during the day so that many people could observe that. And yet when you walk through the story of Jesus and his trial, you find that many of these events happened at nighttime. No trial could be held without a defense attorney, and that was never offered to Jesus. All of this was just pushed to the side. And sometimes I've wondered, why didn't Jesus just stop all of this? I mean, certainly he knew this wasn't fair and that this was very lopsided and he could do something about it. Why doesn't he just come out and say, you know what, I'm God and I'm all done with the craziness here. There's only one reason why Jesus doesn't stop any of this unfairness in his life and that's because of his love for all those on the side of the road who are broken down. His love for those who are stuck. And his love for all those who are moving through life and think they're fine, but really don't have any purpose at all. See, think about this. Through the most lopsided, unfair trial in the history of humanity, Jesus never got mad. He never lashed out. He didn't shrink back. He knew his mission, which was to pay for our sins. And there's no doubt that as Pilate the judge, this influential, wealthy man who was a great leader in his day, there's no doubt as he watched this and observed this that he was extremely curious with the person of Jesus. And in that moment, he had a choice to make. Well, I believe this individual and what he is saying about himself and how he's the Messiah the promised one? Or will I walk away from all of this and hope that it just disappears? The pilot made the choice to walk away. And scripture tells us that he had a basin of water. And as that crowd was just beginning to get unruly and turning into a mob, Pilate just began to wash his hands 
saying, I don't want anything to do with this Jesus. And you have to wonder, did he wash with boldness as if to declare to everybody around him that this really isn't that big of a deal? Did he wash with confidence that this was really the best option and the best choice? Did he wash with conviction that Jesus wasn't who he claimed to be? Did he wash with hope that this very act of washing his hands would somehow make the memory of Jesus disappear? Or did he wash with fear that perhaps Jesus really was who he claimed to be? See, Pilate the judge, Pilate the leader, Pilate the decider, in that moment couldn't judge. He couldn't lead. He couldn't decide. And so he simply washed his hands in that basin and he stepped away, hoping that this would all disappear. Curious, but he stepped away. You know, perhaps like Pilate, you're a little curious about this person called Jesus. And I just want to go back to the question that Pilate asked in Matthew chapter 27. Then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? It's a question that Pilate asked, but it's a question that we need to ask. What should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And I think you have to personalize this a little bit and say, what will I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Will I embrace him or will I begin to push away and walk away from all of this? See, I think there's really only two responses. Here's response number one. It's to simply ignore him. Ignore the one who paid the price for our sins and kind of wash our hands of Jesus. And many people do this. We wash our hands as if to say, Jesus isn't for me. I mean, maybe he's for somebody else, but not me. We wash our hands just like Pilate, declaring that everything that Jesus went through was probably just a waste of time. And we wash our hands just like Pilate, because isn't Jesus, after all, just a crutch for those who are intellectually weak? And we wash our hands just like Pilate in hopes that all of this will simply disappear. And so we ignore him. We wash our hands. And Jesus doesn't force himself on us. He'll never do that. But are you washing your hands of Jesus today? Hoping that you can just ignore him? Because there is a better response. Here's response number two. It's to accept him. Don't ignore him, but accept him. And here's why you can do that. It's because he lives. See, from Pilate's court, Jesus took a long and lonely walk to the place where he gave up his life for us. And that's what he did. He gave it up. Nobody took it from him. He willingly laid down his life for us. And so he made that long walk and he got there and he gave up his life and he died in our place, paying the price for our sins. But death could not defeat him, couldn't do it. 
Death could not keep him down. He walked out of that tomb on that very first Easter morning and making it possible for us to really experience hope and to know that Jesus is big enough to accept, enjoy, and share. And this is kind of a spectacular event, don't you think? I mean, a guy's dead and now he's alive. That's incredible. And if somebody talked about doing that and then actually pulled it off like Jesus, well, that would cause us to perk up a little bit because it's just an amazing thing. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14 says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then your faith is useless. See, if this walk doesn't happen, if the walk from Pilate's court to that cross doesn't happen, and if the walk out of that tomb doesn't happen, then all of this is just a waste of time. But it's not a waste of time because Jesus lives. He lives. He got up and he walked. And that is why we can accept him. Here's our takeaways for today. And I want to break them up into three different groups that are probably represented in this room. So you just think about where you're at right now. First of all, for those who are exploring Christ, accept because he is life. He is life. For those who are growing in Christ, enjoy because he is a friend. And for those who are close to Christ, I mean, you're just really close, then share because he is a gift. Accept, enjoy, and share. This is the story of Easter. A story of hope for all those who are crashed and broken down and stuck and hurt. It's also a story for all those who think they're doing just fine, but maybe moving without a lot of direction. And Jesus is ready for all of us, for all of us. So what will you do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? What will you do with him? Step away from the basin. Step away. And trust in the one who has done it all for you. Father, I'm so thankful for this day, this Easter celebration, where we get to think about you and the amazing gift of Jesus. And God, I just pray that you'd really speak into our lives right now. This is such an amazing story and Jesus walked out of that courtroom and he willingly gave up his life and he died in our place. And what we celebrate today is the fact that Jesus is alive. And that's why we can accept him. God, I pray for everybody in this room that you'd help us to think through that. God, sometimes we ignore and we push away and we wash our hands in that basin. But God, you don't want us to do that today. On this Easter... In this moment, God, you are looking for us to accept, to simply accept what you have done for us. 
I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. It's just being a time where you think about your own life and where you stand before God. Maybe you're here today and you're getting for the very first time that there is someone who paid a great price just for you, just for you. And that he offers to you a gift, a forever friendship. And he promises that if we trust in him alone, he'll never leave us and we'll have this friendship for life with Jesus, the one who lives. So maybe you're getting that and you want to respond to that. I just want to encourage you from your heart to God's ears. Just cry out to him right now and say, God, I know that my life isn't perfect. I know it. And I want your leadership and your forgiveness in my life. I know that you died and rose again for me. And so right now I invite you into my life to rescue me. I trust in you alone. Thank you for rescuing me. With your head bowed still, if that's something you've offered up to God for the very first time, I want to say to you that this will be your greatest Easter ever because you now have a forever friendship with the one who paid the price for you but lives. He lives for you. And you've accepted him. It's a great thing. Maybe there are others of you here and you've already walked through that choice. Maybe it's time for you just to enjoy Jesus like never before and enjoy what he's done for you and smile a bit more. Or maybe it's time for you to share him a little bit more with other people because he is a gift and gifts should be given away. God, right now, we just come to you and we are so thankful for this time just to consider what you've done for us. God, I pray for every single person in this room. It'd help us not to wash our hands of you and just kind of ignore you and push you away, but that we would truly respond. God, would you just give us an amazing Easter celebration? We know that you will because Jesus lives. He lives. He's alive. And so as we just continue to respond to you and your greatness, God, fill us with a sense of joy and happiness with what you have done for us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m. 